Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right, welcome back to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. I'm your host, David Lewis, and here we talk about the methods and technologies for driving growth. And if you think about your business, what is the most important asset you have for driving growth? Well, to me, it's our people. Uh, Whether you sell a product or whether you sell a service, there is an entire team behind your company. And given today's climate for hiring and finding talent and retaining that talent, I thought how great it would be than to have none other than our head of talent acquisition here on the program to talk about the recruiting process and what we do here and give you guys some takeaways and some ideas of what you might do for growing your team. So let's bring on our head of talent acquisition, none other than Anna Greer. Anna, hello there. Hi, Dave. Nice to see you today. Nice to see you. It looks nice and bright and shiny, uh, but uh, is it still snowing outside there in Chicago? No. Ooh. It's beautiful in Chicago. We've got almost 60 degrees. It's wonderful. Nice. Well, let me tell you guys a little bit about Anna. Uh, so Anna, as I said, heads up talent acquisition here at BDO. And by the way, BDO is our parent company. So I am one of the principals at BDO Digital, which is a wholly owned subsidiary. And we leverage some of the core services out of the parent organization, things like legal and certainly HR. And and Anna heads up uh, talent acquisition for all of advisory for BDO. And so, Anna, you have successfully added your team, over 40 team members, to my group over the past year. And I want to thank you for that. Uh, but that's why I invited you on the program, because I want to share those recipes of success. You got How many ballpark, how many people have you added, you think, to the organization over the past year beyond our group? So I, I can tell you because I just ran the numbers earlier today with Bob Compare on our team. But, uh, you know, thank you very much. It wasn't just me. It was the entire team that supports Demand Gen. And I couldn't do it without them. So, you know, it, we have a team of recruiters that support the business. Um, BDO Digital has grown uh, 160 people this year, um, which is 85% year over year, which is huge. But it's also due to attrition, which you talked about earlier that's really important that we talk about, right? Like how do we keep these people happy? Um, How do we keep it from being a revolving door? And uh, there's no secret sauce, but in the same instance, there's things that we can do that are the intangible to make people happy. Like one of the things I know you're so passionate about, and that's one of the things I love about you is, is marketing, but also helping make the world a better place by paying it forward. And so in, in our conversation today, you know, one of the things we talk about is the growth in marketing. Like marketing used to be part of just behind the scenes and not really seen. And and I really believe the pandemic has heightened that to the point where you're going to see in the working world, there's 700% growth in marketing roles because now people aren't going to brick and mortar. It's how do you represent your company? And marketing is the only way you can do it right now. Early on in my career, someone called us the arts and crafts department and it never got out of my head and it, it hurt. I mean, we do make nice, pretty looking stuff. I, you know, certainly that 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 goes with the territory. But as you said, revenue driver, growth driver, and seven hundred percent growth. So let's let's get down into the specifics of some of our recommendations. When you and I first came together, and we needed to make some hires, uh, one of the places that we started was who are we looking for? And there's a job description. 
But you right. so eloquently told me and made a point is the job description just describes the responsibilities. That is not necessarily what someone is looking for. And um, sure. would you share that conversation with our audience today about what people are really looking for and how you approach those initial interviews and discovery calls that you're having to talk about those things as opposed to just talking about the role and duties on the job description. Absolutely. And and the job description is only one piece of the puzzle to attract talent. One of the things you really got to do is make sure you sell the culture, the business, uh, the career. It's not just a job that you're offering them. It's a career path. You know, I, I like to always tell the story of Wayne Bearson. He started out with BDO as the intern, and now he's our CEO. And that's really exciting as a story. But it just kind of proves that anyone within the company can grow to where they want to be. When when you write a job description, it tells somebody what their job duties are, but they want to know who they're working for. They want to know what they do matters. Everybody wants a purpose. Yeah. And so when when I talk to a candidate, when I post a job description, and even when I'm like sourcing a candidate that may not be in the market, I say, hey, we're a great company. We're growing beyond our means. It's a really exciting time to join our brand. And I say the why they want to talk to me. I don't just say, hey, we want, we got a job for you to do. I stop and I go, hey, come join our culture. We want to offer you a career. I see you've got really great marketing background and skill sets. Let's see how we can find the right home for you. Yeah. And, and talk through where their passions are. I think that's the other thing that people miss the mark. They're looking at a job description. They go, check, check, check. They try to check nine out of 10 boxes. Don't do that serve them. You want to say, Hey, this is what I can offer you. Right. Like, yeah. like, yes, you have to meet the skill sets and the ability of the job that's just required. Right. Like they have to be able to do the job. But when you talk about a job to a candidate, you want to say, this is what BDO can do for you and enhancing your career. Like one of the things I love Dave, when demand gen joined BDO digital was the fact that you had the number one demand gen selling book in the country. That was the immediate thing I talked about. Like, I didn't even know who you were just yet. But I'm like, glad you're using that as a prop in your conversations. That's good. Do we see different priorities at different ages, you know, of where people are in their career? But when you said, okay, hey, I'm recruiting people to the team and the team leader wrote this book, it helps build the story of why you're joining an organization. You know, if somebody wants to join, like, they're thought leaders in this space. They're the leaders in this space. There's a tremendous career opportunity. There's financial growth opportunity, all those things. When you talk to me about the intangible, you always start with the culture and you really sell that, don't you? Or I do. It, maybe I, I mean, it doesn't feel like you're selling it, but you make sure that you start there. And I think you're also looking for that cultural fit to see if they're going to work out within the environment. I'm curious to how you, what questions you ask or how you size them up and screen for that in the calls. Well, and, and, and that's a really great thing to, to mention. So as we talked about, the job descriptions are great and they must meet the qualifications, obviously, to be able to do the job. But you got to talk about the intangible. What not only can the company offer, but like what value do we add? And so I always start a conversation of why are you looking? Why are you talking to me right now? Help me understand what do you look for in a company? Like forget about the job description for a second. Forget about the fact that I'm hiring and you're looking what do you need? What do you look for when you decide to work for a company? And I start there. I want to know what their drivers are. I want to understand what they're passionate about. And some people will be like, hey, I'm just looking for a great company that I can add value to. And that's great. But I'm also looking for, you know, are they hungry? Mm -hmm. 
do they show you ambition? Do they show you that drive? Like a lot is done in the unspoken. We try to also do video interviews when we can, just like we're doing a video today. Like some of the people have told me when I hire them, Anna, you've been doing this for a really long time, but you're still passionate about what you do. Well, I'm passionate because I love what we are Mm -hmm. and who we are. Mm -hmm. And it comes through in my conversations with them. And if I've been doing this for as long as I have, and I'm passionate about where I work, they're going to be passionate about wanting to work here. And that's everyone across the brand. So when we talk about the intangible and, you know, and recruiting how we sell the job and the opportunity with the brand and the company, it's also every person in the interview process. Like they, they want to know that we're giving them more than just a job and more than just a company to work for. They want to know that they're going to add value. They're going to have purpose, that you're, they're going to grow themselves personally and professionally, and that they're going to have that work flexibility that a lot of employers haven't offered before the pandemic. How do you, how do you make your conversation so personal with people? Because that's the feedback that I get from the people on the team. In fact, we just um, had Mia join the organization. You helped us hire a head of marketing for BDO Digital. Now we're building out the whole marketing team. And and Mia said to me, um, Anna makes it so personal and you genuinely authentically care about finding that match or this ultimate matchmaker of like, I want to provide a career opportunity for the right person. But any any secrets, any tricks to how you make when you're hiring hundreds of people, um, your experience so so personal with the candidates? You know, that's a really great question. I I don't know that I've ever been asked that specifically. I I think part of it's just my drive to want to make people happy. Like, literally, I want to know what you're passionate about, and I want to make sure that we find that passion. Because if we put a person in a job that can just do it, but they're not passionate about what they do, they're never going to stay. And so I tell them that. I'm very transparent. I make sure that they understand that the role is to serve the business and we're growing and I'm not going to promise them a rose garden that we're going to have to like roll up some sleeves and work together on some things. And they respect that too. Like they don't want a company that's going to say, Oh, we're perfect and everything's great. And the sun is shining. Like we talked about, it is shining. And even on a cloudy day, the sun still shines. You just can't see it. Um, And I tell people that like, they love my transparency. They love my honesty, but I also dig deeper than just, hey, do you check off boxes on a job description? I'm saying, tell me about what you're, what, what do you aspire to do when you grow up? D- tell me where are you Great at question. in your career? Yeah. Forget about just what have you done? Mm-hmm. You want to know where wanna... they want to go. Yeah. And, and that will help you figure out if it's the right environment. What do you do from a, a team perspective, right? There's on average, how many people interview a particular candidate at, at BDO? So, Going back to your question of level and experience, you know, whether it's uh, an entry level experienced associate or a managing director, they usually get at least three interviews and that's including the recruiter. But at the higher levels, it could be four or five, but you don't want to do more than five. I'm going to tell you right now, any candidate that goes through more than five interviews right now, they're going to be like, you can't make a decision. I'm going to go to the company that just made me an offer after a week. Yeah, you can't, advice. you have to have it's, it's exhausting on on everybody and yeah i've yeah. i've i've talked to those candidates not here who said like i'm on my seventh interview and i'm i'm always thinking like are they unsure about the candidate or is that their their normal process what do you what do you if it's if it's let's say three to four interviews uh candidates one of the things that i think you talk about is our company's core values and you 
are very upfront about that. Do you assign conversation points to the different interviewers or, you know, uh, share some high level goals and not get it, not be so prescriptive in how we're each talking to the candidates? So quite frankly, I like to lead with the core values. I talk to it in my phone screen with candidates. That's what I lead with. So first I ask them about what they're looking for and why we're talking today and then get to know their background and their history. But the other thing I do is I say, let me tell you about BDO and let me make sure you understand what our core values are and why we're talking today and what BDO can offer you. And, you know, our people first culture, that's the thing I love most about BDO is what do we do and how we do it. And like when I'm in the office, everyone's like, everyone says hi to me and they're like, Anna, how's your day going? And like, our culture, in my opinion, is really what drives BDO's success. Yeah, for sure. We have many from the big four that come to us and they're like, I'm just a number and a cog in a wheel. I'm empowered at BDO. And that's the thing I love most. I've got 20 years of recruiting experience. But even at BDO, as I've only been here for three and a half years, I've been empowered to be able to share my strategy, share my story, share my um, thoughts to make us better. And BDO does that across every platform, even in your team. And, yeah. and that's why we hired Mia, right? You empowered her to help you lead your team. A lot of people love that empowerment because everyone wants to feel purpose. Right. And so that, again, becomes one of our core values that we talk about. But then, of course, embracing change. Change is inevitable. Look at how BDO handled the pandemic. Candidates still want to hear about that today because right. now it's a, did you enforce the mask mandate? Are you enforcing people to come back to work? Um, what is your vaccine policy? So many companies jumped on the bandwagon early to say we're one way or the other or mm -hmm. what have you, and we're going to force you to go back into the office or we're not. BDO created that flex plan, which I think is really awesome. Mm -hmm. They empowered the leaders to say, depending on what your team does, you decide whether they have to come back into the office or not. We're gonna, not going to have an all or nothing environment. We're not going to say you have to or don't have to come back into the office. Work with your leader. Make sure you can serve your client, and that should decide your driver whether you come back in or not. And again, it goes back to our core values. I talk to it regularly, and all of our leaders then, when they talk to the candidate, they're talking about the opportunity with their team. Mm -hmm. Like, I talk about the overall culture of the business, but then I really want the team to do the same thing of, why do you want to work for me within BDO? Yeah. So I look at myself as the ultimate driver of the BDO culture and the values as the corporation. But then it's really the team that has to sell, why do you want to work for me? Because you're going to report to me every day and I'm going to give you projects and opportunities for success. But why do you want to be part of that? That was um, to give my own perspective on, on the teammates that we just brought on to BDO Digital's marketing team. By the way, I, you know, we're, we're certainly talking about BDO and what a great culture we have here. For those of you that are in marketing looking for a change, may, maybe you maybe want to check our job boards and see some of the positions that we are posting. Short little commercial there. But um, I sure. want to talk about I want to talk about what I said to the team. So, you know, I'm overseeing this initiative to build out our marketing department within BDO Digital. Uh, and I want to share with you guys that the number one thing that I said to the people joining this group, which we now have six people on a team that'll probably be 20 by the end of the year, is my focus on building their careers, advancing their careers. It wasn't about the role and the duties and what our overall marketing strategy is. 
because that strategy is going to evolve and change over time. What right. I feel these candidates coming into the group wanted to hear is what's Dave's vision for the group and for me personally in terms of building career growth. And I said, what we, we put these in the job descriptions. You're coming in on a ground floor opportunity to build a marketing team, department, stack, everything from scratch, which is phenomenal for your career growth, whether yep. you're leading it and building it or being part of the building process. Plus, we are a growing department that's going to go from X to Y to Z. And this will afford you tremendous opportunity to be a generalist, probably at first, because you wear many hats when you're a small group, to specializing and finding your lane of what you want to do. So just sharing that, you know, as a leader, part of the recruiting team, I make it very personal like you do to talk about what it, what's in it for them. I will say, and if I have a gap and I welcome some coaching from it, I'm often more times marketing and selling the opportunity than maybe my strength of interviewing the candidate and making sure that's the right fit. So if you have any techniques or questions or approaches for someone like myself, who's a little bit more like, here's such a wonderful opportunity, because I know it's incredibly hot in marketing right now. My competition is everybody. And I want to make sure they really know what a tremendous opportunity is. But give me some coaching in terms of either approaches or questions I should have to make sure that I've got the right candidate from a culture perspective and from a from a fit perspective in the roles and responsibilities. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Absolutely. So I like to call it the sandwich rule when you're interviewing. The first five minutes should always be talking about yourself, what you're doing, just like what you'd mentioned um, for the position and what you're looking for and why. Like, why is this position open? Candidates want to know, are they replacing somebody? Is it newly created role? Are they going to be empowered to do different things? Like, explain to them the why and then get into, now I want to learn about you. And so the first five minutes should always be about why we're talking today. So you're setting the purpose of the conversation. You're setting the tone. And that really helps them know that you're open-ended and that you're wanting to know more about, again, how they're going to be a fit. But then to your point about selling, you want to sell. You want to make sure that they know the value proposition of what you're offering them, but then you have to stop and listen. What have you done that you feel makes you most successful and qualified for this role? That's a great question. I like to ask open-ended questions. Mm -hmm. I like them to tell me a story. When was the time that you failed at something and how did you rebound? Like we all fail from time to time, For sure. but I want to see the human side of someone. Mm -hmm. I don't want to just hear that. I don't want them to regurgitate their resume. I don't, I, I can read, right? Like you, you want them to tell you what's not written. Mm -hmm. You want them to understand that you want to see how they work without supervision, especially with all of us working remote now. So mm -hmm. asking that open-ended question of when was the time that you failed and how did you recover from it is a way to understand are they going to tell you when they've made a mistake? Because if they work for you and they're not willing to tell you they made a mistake, you've got bigger problems, right? Yeah, like, point. And so you want to make sure that they can be honest with you too. And that's an integrity question that I always like to ask. If someone says, well, I've never made a mistake. Well, that's a yellow flag, right? Like, yeah, for sure. We all make mistakes. But I always tell people as a leader, I'm transparent. I, I make mistakes too. And we'll solve it together. And, and that's the thing when people ask me, well, okay, when I come to you with a problem, how would you help me solve it? You know, and so candidates want to know that you're going to be a problem solver with them. And so by asking them open-ended questions, tell me about a project that you've led that you're most proud of. 
How long did it take you? What did it entail? What was your role? Because there's so many people that will put things on their resume that they were part of, but they didn't do. Right. You you ripped apart a few resumes that we looked at when, I mean, your ability to screen candidates on a piece of paper is like nothing I've ever seen. And, you know, it was so interesting to watch you like, you know, they're not listing their accomplishments or the accomplishments aren't, you know, written in a way where, you know, you're, you're directly contributing that attribution um, to them. And you can pick that up very, very quickly. And I love the question about what's something that you failed at. How did you recover from that? Because let's face it, we all fail at something in life. And if we're not failing, then we're actually probably not working hard enough or taking enough risk. Um, great question. Let's talk about money. Let's pivot to the money conversation because, you know, we are all losing people to other companies because of companies so desperate to hire talent. They are just throwing money at candidates and it's certainly an employee's market right now. How are you approaching compensation discussions and what are your recommendations around um, how much to offer and, and whether you get out of whack there, uh, would love your perspective on that. I'm, we have a, we have some pretty interesting, um, approaches here because we don't have necessarily specific salary bands for certain roles. And you want to always get the person and pay them what they're worth. You've said to me, so I'd love to get your ideas on how you're dealing with compensation. Absolutely. Well, first and foremost, we always have to follow the law. And, and there's the salary history law out there that says you can't ask them what they were making in the past. You can only ask what their expectations are. So I lead there and I just say, hey, can you let me know what your salary expectations are? And they say, well, was that is that in the range? And I said, well, I cannot judge off a 30-minute phone call what you're worth. But I can tell you that BDO pays for market value for your experience. And I said, I will share with your uh, hiring manager, what you're asking for. And through the interview process, will we deem what skill sets and abilities that you have that you bring to the table? And based on what that is in the market and things of that nature, um, we'll decide a fair and equitable salary that we think we'd like to offer you, but it'll be a conversation. And people really respect that because they want to know that we're not just throwing money at them, but they also want to know that they're being paid fairly for their work. And if you always lead with, I want to pay you fair market value for your skill set, we're not selling cars. We're not selling like tangible items. We're selling people, products, and services. And so when you look at that, you can't ever just tell a candidate, I, my salary is this, because one candidate's going to have an MBA. Another candidate's going to have a certification, but another candidate could have 15 years of experience that can hit the ground running, but they might not have a degree. But you have to look at their pedigree. You have to look at where they've worked. You have to look at the, uh, the experience and the background that they have before you decide what they're worth. And every candidate's different. So you can't just put a sticker on them and say, okay, for this role, I'm going to pay X because the people that are applying in are all from different pedigrees. Yeah. So I always tell people, Higher to the pedigree, but also pay fair market value. So mm -hmm. obviously someone with a master's degree should be paid more than someone with a bachelor's degree. But when you have certifications, that muddies the water a little bit. And, and you always want to make sure you're paying fair and equitable. Mm -hmm. and, and I find when people chase the money, I say, let them go. And, and that's a really hard thing to say because I've had that happen to me recently as well on my team. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I told a leader just today They'll call you a year from now. Mm -hmm. Right now, it is a candidate's market, 
And like, especially the big four are throwing big dollars at people because of the 700% marketing uptick. Mm -hmm. There's not enough people. It's supply and demand. There's not enough people to do the work out there. So they're throwing money at them and hoping they're going to come. You know, when you You, go to the doctor and they have you fill out like your health exam and it asks you whether you smoke and it asks you, do you drink alcohol? And if so, how many drinks do you have a week? Right. I think it's like a day or a week. The doctor once told me, he goes, you know, we do double that number, you know, whatever you put on there, which I found interesting. (laughs) So in relation to that question, when you ask a candidate what range they're looking for, how do you process that? So if I said, you know, I guess two part question. One, how often are you seeing like what's the ranges typically look like? Is it ten thousand dollars apart, twenty thousand, thirty thousand? What's a typical range that you're hearing in compensation numbers that are given to you? And then since you can't ask them what they were making and you're asking what they're looking for, where do you think, where do you process what the actual expectation is, if that makes sense? So it's not an exact science. It's not something that you can say unequivocally, a person with this is going to make this. You have to be able to say, does this person have the ability to do the job? Am I going to be investing in them? Like, so if they've, if you've asked for 10 things, on a job description. And let's say they have six of the 10 things, but they're all the required skills and the preferred skills are the other four, but you know, they have the aptitude to learn. Well, then they'd probably be on the lower end of the spectrum. So every position should have a spectrum based on the ability to learn because that part is an investment in that candidate and not necessarily coming across in the salary. But so many people are so focused on salary. You got to sell the whole package. You have to sell the benefits the promotability, the opportunity to learn something new, um, the flexibility that the company offers you, the year-end bonuses, the, you know, does your company give increases at year-end? You know, there's so many companies that people feel like they have to get the best salary up front because they're never going to get a fair and equitable raise in the future, like the 1% or 2% that you hear in the market today. You know, I feel like I'm blessed at BDO because we not only pay fair market value for our candidates, but we also give them equitable increases based on their performance. And we judge them on their performance. And that's something you need to, again, as you mentioned, Dave, earlier in this conversation, sell. Like, it's not just the base salary. It's the whole package. What are you offering them? Like, BDO's benefits. Like, we just changed last year. Our maternity leave policy now includes for men and women. Like, we had nine weeks paid maternity leave for women, but now men can also have the same nine weeks. I was thinking Under about having DEI another child policy. because of that, but I, I, I think that <laughs> ship has sailed with my two. My no, daughters told me if I, I ever mean? have it, if we ever have another one, that they said they're going inter, to intervene. No, kidding aside, I think it is a phenomenal benefit, probably overdue, that we both give maternity and paternity leave. Uh, but uh, all I'm saying is, Dave, it's not just about the salary. Yeah, and when, it's the whole when, when people have that woe about, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, uh, you know, I've I've had candidates ask me for 15000 more than we offered them. And I said, okay, well, I'm going to tell you what we can do for you. And we have, you know, the year-end bonus. Um, we also will give you a raise at the end of your first year if you're doing a great job. Um, and that can look anywhere between 4 and 10% on average. But again, it's solely based on your performance. Mm-hmm. And BDO is a pay-for-performance type model, which I think is another thing employers need to look at. You want to reward your eagles. That's what Bob Knott always said to me. Right. He goes, I have set my salaries up for success to reward my eagles. Yeah. It's not always in the base salary because we want to make sure these people are proving their worth and their role. 
and they're rewarded when they do so. And when you create an environment like that, your people that want to succeed are going to constantly rise to the top. And when you make a salary, the end all be all to a candidate, you're telling them you're putting one price tag on what they're worth. And when you give our type of benefits where we're going to give you a fair and equitable salary, but we're also going to incentivize you to perform. And when you do so, we're going to give you an additional reward on top of that. Now you have a recipe for everyone's success where you're not chasing a salary number against the other organizations, but you're saying if you are doing a great job, we're going to reward you above your salary. So I'm hearing a few things. I'm going to recap where we are. One, we started off with selling the intangible, um, not just what's on the job description, but really talking about culture, talking about career potential, talking about uh, the company's purpose. And when we got into compensation, it's it's not just about the salary, it's the whole benefits picture, and maybe yep. giving some stories about what's happened from benefits. In our, in our example, you mentioned like we did mid-year merit increases, we do spot bonuses, we do all type of, uh, you know, cash incentives for people who, when we recognize high performance with our with our chip program, and you talked about not uh, necessarily positioning that there's a range for the role, but asking them what their expectations are, and then you know working with their the as part of the recruiting process to determine what the right compensation plan is for them. What um, coming back to the team sport of recruiting. I mm-hmm. I like to hit that a little bit because you spend what is it about a half hour with each candidate up front? How about about how much time about, when you do about a half hour, yeah. Okay. And then you're saying three to four other people. What advice do you have for folks in terms of maybe how to um take different aspects of those conversations with the candidates so that when you pull all the feedback, we have a great system where we write in the feedback um, that you guys have set up. So how do you how do you make it a team sport and make sure that everybody's not having the same conversation or an unproductive conversation in terms of getting feedback on the candidate? Absolutely. Well, recruiting drives that process, as you mentioned. So thanks for that. Um, You know, it, it really goes to, you know, the recruiters should be selling the opportunity and the brand and making sure they meet the qualifications of the role. But then when I submit it to the hiring manager, as you've received, I'll say what they're good at, what I why I think they're a good fit for the position. And then some areas that I think they have the aptitude to learn. And I'm never afraid to tell my hiring manager, hey, here's some of their shortcomings. But I think that, you know, w- would you talk to it next? So, again, everyone knows that when I talk to a candidate initially, I'm talking to them about BDO and our culture. But then they're talking about their team and their culture. But at BDO Digital especially, we talk about the technical skills first. And so we make sure they have the aptitude to do the job. And they talk to the why, because BDO Digital is creating things from scratch in our marketing team. You're building websites and, and, and special campaigns that have never existed before specific to the brand. And so we got to make sure that they have that aptitude to think outside the box. And so that first interviewer, they're assessing that skill set, but then they're taking it through their feedback form. And it's like a building tree where you go, okay. Anna said they're good at this, this, and this, but she wants me to focus on that. And then the next person in the technical space goes, okay, I've assessed that they can do A, B, C, but they're light on D. So then the next person that's the team lead is going to go, okay, I see that they're good at A, B, C. Let's talk about D. Let's talk about what factors they're good and what factors we are willing to train in. And do they meet the minimum 
for what I need them to do. And then the final interview is usually the leader of the team that's talking about the culture, the growth, and the opportunity. So everyone that we put in place has a different level of experience that's going to give a different questionable range. But it's also the leader that's opening the position that I always say to the interviewer, make sure you've talked with your leader if there's something specific they want you to address so we're not duplicating efforts. Nice. Um, you know what I'm going to do for these guys, because I want to be helpful, is we're going to link to a few job descriptions. Uh, Anna gives us a lot of coaching as we put our job descriptions together on how to craft those. There's some really, really good suggestions in there about what is said as required and preferred and how we bullet out um, some of the roles and duties. So I will link, well, I'll make sure our team links to some of that in the um, comment or in the show notes below. So if you're listening to the podcast, Take a look at the show notes. And if you're on the YouTube channel right now watching us, um, open it up and expand it. And you can see where some of those links are. So we give you guys some tools to take a take a look at. Um, let's wrap up with don'ts, things not to do during the interview process. You gave us one before, which was a legal one, which is you cannot ask what they have been previously earning anymore. Do you have another good um, don't do this, either literally or just some areas that you want to avoid during the recruiting process? Well, you know, it, there's never a secret sauce, but being an affirmative action plan employer, we follow the rules of it should always be about their experience and their abilities to do the job, not what they don't have. Um, we always want to encourage people that may have special needs that we can accommodate those needs. We always want to make sure that we're um, saying an inexperienced individual has an opportunity for growth. And, and never asking, well, you, you know, you're limited or, you know, uh, saying different things out of tongue or asking any personal questions. That's something you really want to stay away from. It should always be about the job, their ability to do the job, and their ability for their success in the job. It should be about their abilities and the success. And don't ask personal questions. Don't ask if they're married or have kids. Don't ask, you know, if they want to share. They can, you can always listen, and it can be a shareable experience. But you really want to stay away from asking personal questions because it can be considered discriminatory. Yeah. Do you do you or anyone look at people's social profiles once you have their Always. name beyond LinkedIn? You do. Okay. I you know, I've been called a semi stalker. I don't go to I, I don't go to Facebook because I feel like that's a personal space for people to be personal. But mm -hmm. but definitely I'm a LinkedIn and Twitter user. So if you want to follow me on either place, feel free to send me a connection. Um I, I accept any and all connections. But like I, that's the first thing I do, actually. I look at a candidate's resume and I go to their LinkedIn profile and make sure it matches. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a very simple thing. Yeah. But then I also will look, well, what do they do outside of work? Like, what if, what are they affiliated with? Do they have any recommendations on their profile? Like, who are they connected with that I know? Like, there's a lot of things LinkedIn does really well about networking and social um, media that is a professional site to be able to do so. Yeah. I, uh, we could do a whole session on do's and don'ts on your LinkedIn profile. But one of the things I hope you guys took away either as someone who's looking for talent, line up the resume to their LinkedIn profile, look for inconsistencies in their jobs and what they said on LinkedIn is their, um, responsibilities and, and impact and, and what they put on their resume. Definitely look for inconsistencies. And if you are a candidate, make sure that you, uh, Think about the the sync up there because we yeah Anna's watching you um she, and thank you for offering that Anna Greer in case you don't see her name on the screen if you're on the podcast 
Anna, A-N-N-A, and then last name Greer, G-R-E-E-R. She is heads uh, the leader for talent acquisition at BDO. And great person to have in your network. If you're if you're looking to hire talent, maybe uh, you can bounce some ideas off of Anna. And if you're a candidate out there in the world looking for an opportunity, I'm sure she'd love to talk to you because how many employees do we have across BDO? We're, we're close to 10,000. 10,000. Uh, and growing, growing rapidly. And I always tell people, I've been doing this for over 20 years, David. I won't refuse the resume. We'll put it in our database. If we don't have a need now, we will have a need someday in the future. And so, you know, please feel free to go to the BDO website. I'm going to do a shameless plug here, www.bdo.com forward slash careers, and check out over a thousand positions we currently have open across the firm. I love it. I love that we had a little bit of an infomercial today. I know some of you are looking for new opportunities in your careers, and it's a great, you know, the one thing I can tell about taking my company and being part of digital, the culture and the people are phenomenal. It's a big company. Um, BDO Digital is about 500 plus people. USA, as wow. we, as, as you heard, you know, much bigger, 10,000 people. So a lot of opportunity, a lot of opportunity for career advancement. And that, Anna, is the thing that I um, talk about the most with the candidate is just the unlimited career growth potential uh, that, that people have here. I, I think everybody is looking for a place where they can either launch their career and learn a whole bunch of stuff and grow with the organization, or for those that are later in their career, a place that they can retire at. And we have that. Um, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Anna, stick around. I'll be right back with you. But I want to thank all of you guys for tuning in to Demand Gen Radio. Quick reminder, again, if uh, you're just listening and you ever want to tune into our channel, demandgen.tv is the fastest way to get to the YouTube channel. And there's not only these interviews that we do, uh, from the podcast, but there is other content on there as well. Some show and tell of MarTech. Uh, very, very popular uh, episodes right now around ABM tools like from Sixth Sense and Demandbase and some of data orchestration tools, um, videos that we've got on Marketo and Pardot, a lot of different MarTech videos that we have on the YouTube channel. So check that out as well if you haven't already. And if you didn't click on subscribe, go ahead and do that. And one big, huge ask, and some of you have been really good at this, I love hearing from you guys. I love hearing from you about uh, questions or comments you have on what we discussed today. Shoot one out there. If I don't know the answer, I'll get it to Anna or someone else on the team and we'll help you with your recruiting efforts or with your searching if you're looking for a new opportunity. So love to hear from you guys, even that you're just tuning in. Say, hey, Dave, thanks for making the podcast. It means a lot. It's a very private experience. It's you know me and the other person here, but I love knowing that you guys are out there and I really appreciate it on the YouTube channel. Hopefully by the end of this month, I think we will cross more than 2,000 subscribers, which is great growth for us. It was a long climb to get to those first thousand, much faster to get to the second, and we will keep going from here, making great content for you. That's gonna do it for this episode. We'll catch you guys in the next one. Take care. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing.